0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Deuteronomy chapter number 20. I would like to begin reading with verse verse number 19 today the Bible says when thou shalt besiege a city a long time in making war against it to take it thou shalt not destroy the trees thereof by forcing an axe against them for thou mayest eat of them and thou shalt not cut them down for the tree of the field is man's life to employ them in the siege. Only the trees which thou knowest. That they be not trees for meat. Thou shalt destroy. Cut them down. Thou shalt build bulwarks against the city. That maketh war with thee. Until it be subdued. This morning I'd like to minister along this subject today. Save the trees. Save the trees. And I'm not some green finger movement here today all right please understand but save the trees let's pray this morning i love you god i appreciate you god we need you lord jesus in this house I pray oh lord that you would anoint my mind you'd anoint my lips god as we would share lord from your precious book god the words that are written therein they are there for instruction they are there for doctrine they are there for reproof. God, Lord Jesus, help me to accept them. In whatever facet or mode, Lord, that I may need, Lord, that may be deemed beneficial for my life today. And I will praise you and glorify you, God, for what you had accomplished, Jesus, in this place. In Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Everyone say Amen. You may be seated today. The Save the Tree movement, the tree huggers, if you will, not to be derogatory, of our generation have drawn direct lines from the upheaval and the lessened quality of our life to us tampering with the tree population. Their chant is oftentimes, if you've seen any of their rallies displayed on uh, news reports or the internet perhaps, their chant is save the trees. Because in essence, through their eyes, if you'll save the trees in doing so, you will save lives. And they underscore the importance of trees through this mode. They inform us that trees clean our air. They say that one acre of forest absorbs six tons of carbon dioxide and puts out four tons of oxygen. This being enough to meet the annual needs of 18 people, according to the USDA. They say that trees improve our water quality because the regular water runoff that would get into our storm systems if there's trees around they absorb some of that and they recycle that back into our environment they say that trees save save energy that the net cooling effect of a young healthy tree is equivalent to 10 room size air conditioners operating 20 hours a day According to the USDA. They say that trees raise real estate values. Now everybody's going to go home and plant a tree, aren't they? They raise real estate values. They say healthy, mature trees add an average, listen now, of 10% to a property's value. According to the USDA and Forest Service. So on Arbor Day this coming year, I understand what you'll be doing. They say trees are good for business. After learning this, I understand what I'm going to do when I pull in a parking lot now. They say trees in commercial parking lots induce shoppers to spend 11% more for goods and services. Next time I pull in a parking lot, there's trees standing there. I'm going to cover my wife's eyes because it has an impact to induce her to spend more money in those shopping establishments. They say trees help stop inner-city violence. Get this, folks stop inner city violence because they have done research that an individual who is exposed to the visual of trees, that that person has recovered from stress a whole lot quicker and within just about five minutes of being exposed to the visual representation of trees, their blood pressure will change, the muscle tension and rage in their body will lessen just being exposed to trees. And now some man's going to say, that's honey, that's the reason why I go to the forest and that's the reason why I get in the deer stand. I just uh, stress really. Well, maybe it is. All these different benefits of the trees. Now, uh, this morning I'm not endorsing nor am I criticizing the modern Save the Tree movement. But what I am saying is just this. There are some aspects of man's life that are connected to a tree. From the very beginning, God had ordained from the very beginning. That the fruit-bearing trees were given to mankind for meat, he says, for food. As a matter of fact, so it would seem in scripture, uh, no other food was provided as meat to humanity until after the flood. Before the flood, it it was the fruit-bearing trees that was given to mankind for their food. At that juncture in the road, there wasn't the slaying of of an animal in the wild for meat or for food. They were totally, if you could say, dependent upon the fruit-bearing trees. The fruit-bearing trees for centuries, between the time of creation until the flood, were nothing more but the sustainers of all human life of Adam and his family and in his children. And as our text even stated today, the tree of the field, namely the fruit tree, is man's life. As we lead up to our scripture setting today and the scriptures and chapters that lead up to it, they are constantly giving us a, a, a two, if you will, sides to the same coin. It's showing us pictures of life and pictures of death. It's giving us regulations that are set forth concerning uh, the episodes of, of manslaughter, the regulations that would take place against a person if there were accidental deaths, That uh, the regulations for uh, life being protected by those who made it to a city of refuge, regulations for who was to be spared whenever they fought battles at a distance away from the land of Canaan and who was to be spared or not spared or to die whenever they fought battles concerning right in the land of Canaan and leaving this thought basically in our minds leading up to my scripture setting today that some things in life are meant to die while other things are meant to live. Because in a time of war, in a time of battle, if I could term it like this today, in a time of struggle, in a time of difficulty, our minds sometimes engage in a anything goes type of mentality. Sometimes in those moments, it's the whatever we must do to survive just to make it through the struggle. Just to make it through the difficulty. We garner the attitude at whatever cost. Because especially whenever struggles and difficulty and battles go r- long, we're saying whatever the cost. We, 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 we they, they, they make the statements all fair. In love and war. That has been the popular terminology. All is fair in love and in war. But in our scripture reading today, there were some regulations given. It didn't matter if it was a battle that was in the land of Canaan or a battle that was outside of the land of Canaan. The general rule of thumb was this, is that whenever you are in battle, whenever you find yourself in a difficulty or a struggle, there are trees there that are in the field and you may need to cut down some trees in order to make a bulwark or or make a catapult or or make a a moving tower in order to overcome that city you you may be able to use some of that wood to make various instruments of ramps and ramparts and and battering rams and and that's good and that's neat and that's necessary but before you cut a tree down you need to evaluate and this is during warfare before you cut a tree down you need to evaluate whether or not that tree that you're about ready to cut down is a fruit tree or not because you need it while you're in warfare while you're in your difficulty in your time of heartache you got to consider and even discriminate between the trees because if it's a fruit tree you better leave that thing well enough alone any other tree you can cut down and use for a tool or a purpose to fight your battle but if it's a fruit tree you better leave that thing well alone in other words The the, the writer was saying, I understand that you may be in difficulty and struggle in times, but there's some things during your struggle that are better left intact, left, left alone, and there's other things that need to be cut down. Can someone say amen? Amen. So the call was made to them that during times when you seek to self-preserve and survive in battle, you gotta give the proper attention to the differing between what you serve best intact and what serves best cut down. Amen, that those trees could not be used. The trees that could not bear fruit, could not give fruit. Those trees that could not be used for food, they should be cut down. They should be made into the weapons. Amen, if they could be used as fuel, use them as fuel in order to help in the battle. But while that wood, amen, from a fruit bearing tree could be made into a rampart as well. The wood from a fruit bearing bearing tree although it could be made into an instrument of war as well amen And, and be used very nicely as well if you cut all of those down there is no non fruit bearing tree though that can sustain the life of the man you cut down all the fruit bearing trees and if you're left with non fruit bearing whenever you're hungry and you need sustenance and something to add to your life you're going to need a fruit bearing tree to do that not just any tree can do that and so you got to understand whenever you're in your struggle and your difficulty and you're wielding your act so to speak and it gets all said and done there's many that have faithfully realized that after the smoke of their adversity has cleared after their struggle has been over and they may even got the supposed victory amen but you may realize after it's said and done you purchased that victory at too high a price that you paid with your soul amen maybe for a fleeting desire or a fle- moment because you cut down a fruit bearing tree that was going to sustain your life that was going to help your life that was going to carry you when nothing else would carry you can someone say amen If I could say it like this, when you're in a struggle, whenever you're in a difficulty, and I don't know what you're struggling with or for. Sometimes we're struggling for things. Other times we're struggling against things. But when you're on your war path, you better refrain from destroying the things in your life that may benefit you tomorrow, that may benefit you the next day, that may help sustain you. The writer wanted those boys to know I know right now you're in battle and in the heat and in the moment of the battle it seems like anything goes no matter what the cause All stare in love and war but he said I'm here to tell you those that type of mentality is incorrect because there may be some things you sacrifice in the moment of your struggle that you're going to need when the struggle's over. There might be some things that you lay aside in the moment of your difficulty that whenever the smoke clears you're going to wish you still had within your hand so oh yes Yes, we can't afford to sacrifice the things that may be beneficial to us we may show for sometimes great strength in wielding an axe cutting a fruit tree if you will those things that are deemed beneficial to the life of man but perhaps a greater strength would have been shown if they were just left alone. So, man, it takes a lot of strength to chop down a tree. Anybody ever just chopped a tree? I mean, didn't use a, didn't use a saw, but literally used an ax and went away chipping away. Chopped. That's some work, folks. You ever just chopped a tree? Man, you know, maybe we just, you know, name them the man of man's, you know, the man of men. If he'd just go and chop a tree. I, I, I say today that sometimes... Greater strength, than, greater strength shown than what you can cut down is what you can leave standing in your life. That's right. oh, that's right. that is so great. See, I think we, we confuse a couple, a couple of terms. Sometimes we cross over and we blind the lines of two terms, one called power and one called right. They're not equal terms. Power and right are not equal terms. You may have the power to cut down a fruit tree in your life, but you might have not had the right to. (laughs) There are countless fruit bearing things, hear me. There are countless fruit bearing things in people's lives that they, by their power, have disregarded. By their power, have ignored. By their power, cast out the ship because they didn't see that it would be beneficial. By their power, ignored it. By their power, turn their back upon it. And all that they may have done it by their power, they didn't have a right to. They didn't have a biblical right to. I stand in the society and a generation today that more and more and more I see men and women that during moments of difficulty, moments of struggle, they are hewing down some of the very things that have sustained them from their point of inception until now. The things that they held true to. The things that they allowed to help prosper their life. Now in a moment of difficulty and struggle, they're taking the ax, if you will, to the root and they're uprooting everything that serves so beneficial to them. Oh, Oh, that's powerful I'm glad you've been delivered and you're able to have a power to get over Amen. everything that you held on to all throughout your life that's great you might have had the power to do that but by his word you didn't have the power you didn't have the right to do that there's people that's thrown away baptism in Jesus name because they say we got the power to do that we have a new revelation we have a deeper understanding no you don't you might have had the power to acknowledge it from your life but you didn't have the right to do it by the word of God we have the power if we want to to live any way we want to and still keep the spirit of the Lord I'm glad God's given you that revelation you might say you have the power to do it but you haven't had the right to do it sometimes your strength is shown by what you leave intact in your life rather than what you get rid of in your life someone say amen I dare to say today The writer said that you'll besiege a city, in verse 19, a long time. Everybody say a long time. time. Whenever they besieged or sieged a city, sometimes this would last for years. Sometimes this difficulty and struggle lasted for years. Many times they encamped around about those city walls and they're trying to starve them out of their... They're trying to cut off their water supplies that go into the city and it would last for years. Anybody ever been in a struggle that lasted a long time? Talking to anybody around here that's ever been in a situation that just went on and on and on. But let me share with you today the problem with long battles. The problem with long wars and long sieges and long conquests, whatever you wish to call them. The problem with long battles and difficulties is this, is that sometimes there is a pivotal point along the way where those deep in the trenches of battle get tired. Where those deep being torn by the struggle of the moment get tired of the struggle. Get tired of the battle. Get tired of fighting. Get tired that it's another day at warfare. It's another day of difficulty. It's another day with heartache. And as a result, their patience for this thing to end begins to wither. The reasoning to make correct and right choices becomes exhausted. And they contend in their mind there is no reason why one battle should last this long. There is no reason why one war should last this long. There's no reason why one difficulty should last this long. And in that moment, there is a vulnerability that's breeding because they've reached that point that they would much rather have the struggle over and the turmoil over someone say man they'd much rather have the turmoil over and the struggle over and it's during those times that people get a hankering and they're willing to sacrifice anything just to get the difficulty over don't tell me for a moment, Brother Fred McGee, that some of those people that were in that long siege that had already cut down every non-fruit-bearing tree had made their towers, made their ram carts, made every instrument war they could. They didn't touch any of the fruit-bearing trees. While they're there for a long time, that fruit-bearing tree is sustaining them. But you know what, days are turning to months, and months are turning into years. Don't think for a moment that they're not now considering the fruit-bearing you know if we had a few more towers and a few more ram carts if we cut some of these down oh God then we might be able to you know conquer and overcome and get through all this maybe this is our problem to begin with if we just I need somebody to consider this this morning. Every battle that was fought wasn't fought on, on the perimeter outside of Canaan. Some of the battles were fought in Canaan. They were fighting for the land which they, God said they would possess. Listen to me today, folks. That was their land. That belonged to them. Consider this. If they're fighting for something that belongs to them, a place where they are gonna live, where they're gonna pitch their tent, where they're gonna rear their families, if they cut down every fruit-bearing tree in that vicinity, when they inherit the land, what use is the land gonna be to them when they severed everything that is of any benefit to the land by cutting the fruit-bearing What have you won? Someone say amen. Sometimes by sacrificing things, thinking they're going to help you through your difficulty, they've done nothing more but compound your difficulty. I remember this is more so with Mariah in our traveling and being the first child, we made the ultimate mistake, and probably more so because traveling. But regardless, she got in this mode. Young, she sometimes sleep with us. And she was a nursed kid, and so early on, there wasn't very much time in between that she wasn't in our bed just because she was being nursed. But what that did, that, that, that grew into a problem. And uh, as she got older, she still wanted that, wanted to still be in bed with us. And I will not forget one of the first times my wife and I just decided, we're going to kick this, we're going to take care of this. And we had 36 feet that we could remove from her in that trailer. And we put her in her crib at night. And honey, she would be, begin the war path of crying. Man, throwing a fit. And uh, I, I admit, I, I was the softy. I'm hearing that little girl down there crying. She's standing, man. Those are, those are real tears coming down her face. And her face is like all the mercury went to the top. And it's red. And, And and, and I'm tired anyway. And and we're sitting there, and Don she would grab my hand. and Don't you go get her. Don't you go get her. You just leave her alone. But probably one of the first times we really made headway, that girl cried, I, I think it was for about an hour and a half or so. Hour and 45 minutes. Just 45 minutes. It seemed like longer than that. 40, 45 minutes of crying, though, seems like an hour and 45 minutes. And she finally gave up the ghost. (laughs) And the next night is a little less. And the next night is a little less. But you know, in that long struggle of waiting, we're sitting there sometimes on the edge of the bed. You're just listening. And we're waiting. And I admit to you that sometimes in the longness of the difficulty, just wanting it to get over. Because I was tired. I went and got her. And by doing so, I didn't solve anything. I just compounded an already difficult problem because tomorrow night we got to put her in bed too. And sometimes when we had gained some ground, we lost some ground because I was willing to sacrifice something in the moment that I was going to have to pay for in the days to come. It's so hard sometimes in the longevity of the trial not to just leave the things that need to be intact intact and cut down the things that need to be cut down. We have a tendency to cut everything down without any forethought of tomorrow. I've seen saints sit on a pew and cut down some things that were absolutely essential to their walk and relationship with God. Only for future moments from them realize what a mistake they had made at taking an ax to a fruit bearing tree that was sustaining them in their life. Come on down. Oh, glory. For a person to totally decimate a the land, they would do so by cutting down all the fruit trees that was in what that was right there, and that was a very extreme tactic. We hear of this in Scripture, 2 Kings three nineteen. The Bible says, And ye shall smite every fenced city, and every choice city, and shall fell every good tree, Stop all the wells of water, mar every good piece of land with stones. In verse 25, it gives the occurrence of them doing this. They beat down the cities, on every good piece of land cast every man his stone filled it they stopped all the wells of water fell all look at this they fell all the good trees I mean, the fruit bearing trees they fell all of them to totally decimate the land that's what you did because whenever you do that that land is uninhabitable it cannot be inhabited amen and if that was going to be a place that they were trying to conquer that they were going to live in later that was a, a grand mistake to cut down something that was going to help sustain your life later amen there's sometimes that we seek after desires that are not desires that God has us seeking after but we're in pursuit amen because that's what I want that's what we want that's what my spirit wants that's what my flesh wants and sometimes we're in long struggles with that because there's something that's telling us not to but then our flesh is telling us to go on and do it let me tell you whenever you become the king of the mountain of your desire I have a question for you today will there be any left to sustain your life after you got what you said you wanted the danger in long battles that soldiers may lose sight about what they originally started fighting for see there may be a shift in the fighting during a long battle from the original purpose to one of self preservation we started fighting for this but this has been so long now I'm going to turn this inward, and I'm just worried about me, myself, and I. just want to hurry up and get this thing over. Today, battles won quickly. Difficulties gotten through quickly at the cost of destroying the fruit-bearing trees. In essence, those are lost battles. Those are lost battles. We better consider when we cut the fruit tree down because they just don't grow into maturity overnight that stately fruit tree that's there that's providing fruit, it's not one day a seed in the ground and the next day a tree that's fully matured bearing fruit for whoever may need it and who's going to take it. When you cut down the fruit tree, it's going to take time to reestablish, restore what you've cut down. Amen. And the question that we must ask ourselves is this, am I sacrificing something now that I might need tomorrow? Am I pushing aside something right now that I might need t- tomorrow? Tomorrow. Herod, in the New Testament Scripture, in his folly, wishing to please his peers and those that had gathered on his birthday and wishing to please his desires of the dance that Herodias's daughter had given him. He had by and by the head of John the Baptist cut off, a fruit-bearing tree cut off, and he had it set upon a platter. And even Herod, by his own admission, had said at times that he liked to hear John. He liked Liked to attend to the words of John. He liked what John had to say. Herod, you should have thought about that before you laid an ax to that fruit-bearing tree because now his words are absent from your life. You won't hear John saying again, do not take your brother Philip's wife and that won't sting you in your convictions in your heart like it did beforehand. Why? Because you sought a desire and to please yourself and you cut down something, amen, that could have benefited you the next day. The Bible in Psalms chapter number one, amen, where it describes a man, the man that did not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, the man that did not stand in the way of sinners, the man that did not sit in the seat of the scornful, but the Bible portrays him as loving the law of the Lord, as meditating in that law day and night. That man is described as a tree, but more than just a tree, it says that he shall bring forth his fruit in his season. That man was a fruit-bearing tree. Why? Because he didn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. He didn't stand in the way of sinners. He didn't sit in the seat of the scornful. His idea, his concept was all wrapped up with the law, with the Bible, the book, the word. He said that man there is a fruit-bearing tree. I need to tell a group of people today some of the fruit-bearing trees that you knock down in your life are people in your life that's beneficial to your life. Amen, that's trying to show you the laws and the precepts and the modes of operation of God's word be careful who you exclude in your life because you could be chopping down a fruit bearing tree can I preach as the pastor of this church today please don't silence the voice of this man of God in your life because in doing so you're cutting down a fruit bearing tree that may give you something in your future to help sustain you, to help guide you, to help direct your paths don't cut it down when you may need it tomorrow save the trees thank God they didn't cut them down thank God nobody cut down the juniper tree a fruit bearing tree that Elijah found himself under when he was doubtful running from Jezebel because under that tree he got refreshment he got water he ate a cake from heaven it was a fruit bearing tree I'm sure Zacchaeus was appreciative, but nobody cut down the sycamore tree, which is a fruit-bearing tree, because by virtue of that tree, it allowed him a glimpse of Jesus, which totally afterward altered his life, his destiny, and his path because of a fruit-bearing tree. The Bible tells us that we look at Deuteronomy, and still today this idea conveyed in Deuteronomy, Is so respected by the Orthodox Jews that they will not cut down a fruit tree almost in any scenarios or circumstances. So if you show the picture of this gentleman here, if you see, I don't know if that's too clear, you can see that house and the steps, how they don't come directly out from that building but kind of skewed over to one side, and there's a tree there by those stairs. This man had tore down his house to rebuild it. He was a Jew rebuilding his house. He had his exterior stairs where they came out. If he went straight, as you could see, they would have intersected with a fruit-bearing tree. there on his property, not willing to cut down the fruit-bearing tree because of this Old Testament law. He had the designers to revert and descend his entry, his stairway around an angle to avoid cutting down the fruit tree And he said that in his efforts to preserve the tree, that it cost him above $100,000. Now to you and I, there isn't a tree. (laughs) There isn't a tree worth that. But to an Orthodox Jew, listen to me. To the Orthodox Jew, he understood that that tree is not just the here and now, but quite possibly, listen, His children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, generations of his offspring may feed off that tree. And he could not come to terms, and nor could they in this day come to terms that I don't want to somehow sacrifice in my generation what may need to be substance for tomorrow's generation. I don't want to hew down in my lifetime what may help preserve and sustain my children and grandchildren in their lifetime. A man that fought prey to just the moment, the instant, rather than the future, was Esau. Esau, who was born as the firstborn with the birthright, with all the perks and the privileges, if you will, of the firstborn. After being out in the field and coming in and his brother Jacob had made a savory pot of porridge, a savory pot, if you will, of stew, Esau comes in. He is hungered. He's in a difficulty. He's been long hungry evidently because he even states it to the extremity that he was at the point of death. But in Esau's conquest for a gratifying meal of the moment, he wanted to cut down the fruit-bearing tree called his birthright. And he wanted to trade that, if you will, to somehow appease his hunger without having to wait to create a meal himself and have his hunger appeased. In other words, in Esau's estimation, this is literally in scripture, he was saying, what good would my birthright be if I were to die of hunger? What good is my birthright when I am dead? there's two things I like to consider concerning Esau number one he had somewhat of a skewed concept of what could really kill him you're hungry really okay I don't think you're going to die over being late on a meal but bishop I find ourselves sometimes in church the phrase all it's going to kill me if And I've seen the blank filled with, wow! If that's all it takes to kill you, you just better be blessing God that you're still alive. I think sometimes we have a skewed concept about what we can go through, what we can wait for, what we can do, and look at this: as many in his position many of them would reach that moment when it's more about self-preservation rather than the big picture. He's concerned about himself. And Esau, I believe the question was incorrectly asked. It's not what will the birthright do for you when you're dead. But Esau, what could that birthright do for your family? What could that birthright do for your children whenever you die? Because whenever you die, your birthright doesn't die. Whenever you die, that birthright continues in the next generation. What could that birthright do for your firstborn? After you're dead. Don't cut that down. Don't disregard that. Don't push that aside. That may be beneficial to your family. And the Bible says concerning the family of Esau that they lived among the region of Sierra. Amen. Described as nothing more but a sharp and serrated ridges, ragged, jagged rocks, cliffs, the straggling bushes, stunted. I like that. Stunted trees I mean as though, as though the trees were leveled. Amen. This is the whole scene of the sternness of where Esau's family lived. Rugged, rugged, rugged. But when we see Jacob and his family, amen, they were later sustained and tended to in the land of Goshen, the Bible says, that was in Egypt. And Goshen, the Bible portrays as the best of land. Amen. Because why? Esau cut down a fruit bearing tree. He exchanged it to Jacob. And Jacob now in his family are living in the best of land while Esau and his family are among the jagged, the rugged, the bushes, stunted trees all around. Why? Because what you sacrifice in your generation could possibly impact your family's generation. Save the tree! This morning I don't know what type of tree Jesus hung on. You can find nice little poems about he died on a dogwood and the flowers are white and they got little red spots on them and that's his blood. Please don't fall prey to that garbage. Makes for a nice poem, but there is no no biblical evidence. I don't know what type of tree Jesus hung on. But I would suspect this, Bishop, that since the Jews are very strict in adherence to laws, and customs and ceremonies that they would have held to the practice of Deuteronomy 20 they would not cut down the fruit bearing tree and sister Craig regardless regardless when that tree that we refer to and know as the cross held the body of Jesus I convey today that that tree became a fruit-bearing tree in spite of what it may have been. In other words, to set the terminology right, when you speak of a fruit-bearing tree given life, life wasn't taken on the tree that Jesus died on. Life was given from that tree. To the common man, it was a symbol of death. But to us, it was revered as life. In so much that the Apostle Paul stated that even the preaching of the cross was to us the power of God. And in the conquest in this light, I believe it's imperative that we discriminate between the trees. In our modes of seize, in our modes of conquer and to obtain, we better twice think before we lay an axe to the base of the cross. If your prospective destiny requires cutting down that tree, it's exacting too high a price. When that destiny loses its glitter that you're trying to apprehend and it's unable to add anything meaningful to your otherwise mundane life, you're going to need a stable, certain, fruit-bearing tree, life-giving tree you're going to need a Calvary that's going to be able to sustain you. The Bible says in Philippians 3.17, he said, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us or an example. For many walk whom I have told you often, now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ." whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mine earthly things. In other words, he said, gentlemen, there are some that are in a struggle to obtain some things that's gonna appease their flesh. They're in a struggle of earthly things, they're in a struggle for glory that they can add measure to their own standing. But in doing so, they become enemies of the cross. In doing so, they have been cutting down a fruit-bearing tree in their life. And if that is the case, therein shall be destruction, because they cut that tree down, and there's nothing in their future there to sustain them, to help them, to restore them, to prosper them. The Bible speaks in the Old Testament of a man by the name of Naboth, that in his resolve to keep his vineyard amen he was safeguarding the Bible says his father's inheritance 1 Kings 21 3 the Bible says and Naboth said unto Ahab the Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my fathers unto thee what are you saying, Naboth we've all times preached well that was Naboth's inheritance true but the way that he stated it was That's my father's inheritance. That's my father's inheritance, meaning his dad inherited that from his father. And now Naboth had it. Meaning that vineyard, that fruit bearing place had sustained his grandpa, had sustained his father, and now was sustaining him. And he was saying, there's nothing that you can offer me. Everything else would pale in comparison to that fruit-bearing vineyard, that fruit-bearing place in my life because it's sustained generations of our family. In other words, Naboth had the testimony that I am what I am today. I am I am where I am today. Amen, because my family has lived off a fruit-bearing vineyard, a fruit-bearing, if you will, tree. The tragedies, the tragedies arise when we leave intact things that we should have cut down and we cut down things we should have left intact. Cutting down the fruit-bearing trees and leaving intact the trees that could have been cut down. Even some should have been cut down. With afterthoughts, you know, I can salvage all this. We'll make all this work and salvage all this. See, I'll cut this non fruit bearing tree down and I can still have a weapon. See, it's going to be okay. But only for you to turn and realize wait a minute. Where's the fruit-bearing trees at? Where's the fruit-bearing trees at? Because, see, it's quicker and it's easier to destroy meaningful things in your life than it is to start over and plant a seed and watch it grow anew in your life. It's easier to wield an... You know, all the struggle that a man would have with an axe to chop down the tree, and I don't think any man in his right mind would even do it today. We got modern terms, you know, we can get at the chainsaw, we can get after it. But even all the struggle that a man would take in cutting down a tree, that's just a little flash in the pan compared to what it would take to get a new tree like that growing back in its place. And listen. You know, listen. Do you know what fruit-bearing trees need cut down? The ones that don't bear fruit anymore. Right. On. Yes. Right. On. Only time in Scripture we even see, logistically, that a fruit-bearing tree was cut down was whenever the tree didn't bear fruit anymore. Jesus walking by the fig tree, which was a fruit-bearing tree has leaves on it, which should have indicated also there was fruit on it. But when he looked, there is no fruit upon the tree. He cursed it. His disciples are with him. Seemingly nothing happened. But they come by the next day and they are in awe. And perhaps some of the awe that they have is not just that now the tree is laying over, but God cursed a fruit-bearing tree. Yeah, it had been, but it's not bearing fruit right now. And so if there's things in your life that maybe at one time did but are not anymore, it's time to cut them down. The trees that need to be cut down in our life the things that don't bear fruit in our life anymore. Let them cumber the ground. But just as so, there's some things that we need to leave equally alone. Because doing away with those things that do not add to your life, do not contribute to your life, do not add to your spiritual life do not contribute to your spiritual life cut it down but leave intact the thing that still is leave intact the thing that is still prospering you in your relationship for the Lord you'll stand with me this morning someday if heaven becomes our home the Bible speaks of in heaven that there will be a tree of life in that new Jerusalem Jerusalem a fruit-bearing tree. The Bible says that there will be 12 manners of fruit that will be up on that tree. said even that it's leaves. You want to talk about the benefits of a fruit, that it's leaves, or even for the healing of the nations. If there is ever anybody that makes their journey to heaven and ever contemplated in their lifetime about severing the things in their life that help sustain their life, I do believe without doubt that it will be at that moment in heaven that in very deep reflection, man, it will just dawn upon them however important it was to save the fruit-bearing trees in their life. This morning, in essence, this. Some things, yes, must be cut down. But there are other things that are best left alone.